welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season four, episode seven, The Initiative. Oh. So, okay. So something interesting I saw in the social media channels this week, and I don't know if it's true or not. And I'd love to know under what topic this came up organically. (laughs) But apparently somewhere in Prince Harry's book, (laughs) there, he talks about his favorite character in the Buffyverse, and it's Faith. Oh. And apparently there's a quote that's along the lines of, well, you know, Buffy grew up in a privileged life from affluent parents. And yes, I can relate to that. But Faith was a working class girl who was like a badass and liked to shake things up. And I found her to be an inspiration. And I'm like, one, I like I said, I really want to know if this is true. That's yeah. two, what what were you talking about? <laughs> like Buffy the Vampire Slayer came up organically in the conversation. I know like that was a that was a very yeah, that you know what? I think it's also it's very strange when you hear famous people like that, when you find out that they enjoy the same shows <laughs> that you enjoy, there's just something, it, it feels so bizarre to me. Royals, they're just like us. Well, they watch teen dramas too. Yeah, it was it was definitely one of those weird moments. And William and Harry are the right age. Since we're talking about Harry, you're going to hate me for this, but I had a very unintentional pun the other day. Oh, Jesus Christ. What was um, your unintentional pun? So my friend was just discussing, my, had made a post on Facebook just about some of the stuff coming out in Spare. And I said, there's no tea like royal tea. Not even, not even considering the wordplay. It wasn't, it wasn't until I hit send that I realized I had done it. Fired. <laughs> Fired. Fired. See, you don't see, the, the problem is none of you see like all the stuff that I send Mary throughout the week and. She just gets no. Like that's just my response every time. I'm just like, no. That's it. It's just no. And I can see her face when I, when she responds to me, because I'm used to seeing that face. It's like that, that skeleton comic (laughs) that I sent you. I identify (laughs) with that skeleton so much. (laughs) Yeah. If you follow me, if you, if you follow me on, on Twitter (laughs) at uh, the coffee frog, you'll see one of them where I tagged Mary that it's just me and her, the one skeleton going, Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) enough of me, enough of me torturing Mary. Yes, let's talk about this episode. So the initiative, it aired on November 16th, 1999. And our synopsis is the agenda of the black masked commandos is revealed after they ensnare the baddest vamp of them all, (laughs) Spike, who blames the Slayer for his capture and escapes to hunt her down. Meanwhile, Riley tries to put the moves on Buffy. (laughs) I love uh, fucking Spike. Like this, this is really where... This is really where, like, if you didn't like Spike before, especially from, like, his little cameo in the first, in you know, in um, the last episode, where it's just him coming back to Sunnydale. But, like, if he didn't come back to Sunnydale, he wouldn't have gotten captured. So the fact that he's blaming Buffy for a position that he basically put himself into is hilarious. 
This is true. So what are our international titles? This week, we only have two. Pretty much everything was initiative, the initiative. But once again, French and Italian come through for us. Yes. So in French, it is schemes in the basement. I already love it. I don't think anything could top this, but what's the next one? That's that is the best one. But then Italian is the patrol of the night. Nope. Schemes in the basement. Schemes in the basement. Yeah. Schemes in the basement. That's also what I would I would title my autobiography. That- <laughs> Schemes in the basement. That was the again, like French, French, Italian, sometimes German and like they they really come through. They do. With some of the really creative titles. So we do get a previously on this week, uh, reminding us of the whole Parker situation of Riley and Professor Walsh and how Spike was tased by the mysterious soldiers. (laughs) We needed to see that again. Then we're at one of the campus eateries with Riley and Forrest. Riley grading papers and Forrest checking out girls. Girls that Riley is wholly uninterested in until Buffy. Forrest points her out and Riley, you know, identifies her as Buffy, which Forrest thinks is an adjective. (laughs) A girl's so hot, she's Buffy. Riley tells him that's her name. And Forrest immediately must know more. He knows her? What does he think? He doesn't. What? A girl that cute? Right there in his face? And he's never thought about her? Riley's not sure how to answer that. Buffy's fine. More than. But she's also peculiar. (laughs) Of course, as Forrest and Riley are discussing her, we're treated to this adorable montage of Buffy (laughs) overfilling her soda cup, breaking the soft serve machine... I love it. Like she's like they're they're looking at her and, you know, Riley's talking about how cute she is and how much he likes her. And she is just having the hardest time. Graham joins them and Forrest asks Graham what he thinks of Buffy, telling him that Riley isn't down. That's not true. Riley doesn't dislike Buffy. (laughs) He just she never seems like she's really there when you talk to her. He needs someone more grounded, someone he can get a grip on. And with that line, he walks himself right into some teasing. (laughs) No, not like that. He just needs someone present. (laughs) Graham says maybe Buffy's Canadian. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Graham. Graham, you precious soldier, you. Um, Actually, this line was a reference to the real Graham, because this Graham, the character, is named after one of Doug Petrie's college friends who was Canadian. <laughs> I don't know. There's always there's always somebody from Canada. You always have to bring up Canada when you're in college at some point. Like my my one friend. I don't remember exactly what was happening, but he was making fun fun of Canadians. And <laughs> Mr. Froggy was sitting right next to him. Now, for for reference, his family, a lot of them landed in Canada. They're they're from Newfoundland. And Mr. Froggy just so seriously turns and looks at him and goes, my family's Canadian. <laughs> and poor Dorian was tripping over himself trying to apologize and Mr. Froggy is staring at him seriously and I think that might have been one of the the moments I fell in love with him because it was just so hilarious just how he was just like my family's from Canada (laughs) I love it (laughs) Forrest then remembers Parker didn't Buffy go out with him for only 10 seconds Riley correctly says that's not exactly an indicator of good taste oh 
Okay, but she's a major league hottie. Oh, wow. Talk about your 90s slang. Yeah, yeah, that was... That was... That is, mm-hmm. that is way deep in the 90s lexicon. There is so much. There is so much. Major league hottie. Riley is not denying she's hot. Just, he looks over as Buffy trips over her own two feet, spilling both her soda and <laughs> ice cream slash froyo, whatever it is. Would you really want to go out with her? Hell yes! Forrest says there are plenty of guys who would like a piece of that, <laughs> including Spike. But before we get to Spike and his accommodations at the Initiative B&B, let's talk about Forrest and Graham. Forrest was played by Leonard Roberts. Aside from Buffy, he has appeared on such shows as True Calling, along with Eliza, Bones, along with David, Smallville, Criminal Minds, Agent Carter, where he played one of the Howling Commandos, and The Magicians. Graham was played by Bailey Chase, who before Buffy appeared on both Saved by the Bell, the New Class, and the Sweet Valley High TV show. Afterwards, he went on to do such shows as VIP, CSI, Ugly Betty, Grimm, and of course, As the World Turns, which he is probably best known for outside of Buffy, or maybe that Saving Grace. He has done the most episodes of Saving Grace, <laughs> but I feel like more people know about soap operas. You know what? I, that's, you know what, for some reason, like, usually I will look somebody up when I recognize them, mm-hmm. but... For some reason, I didn't look Forrest up, even though I'm sitting there the entire time thinking, how the hell do I know him? Yeah, he's um, the most recent one and the one you're probably thinking of is he's the king that Margot's going to marry. Yeah, well, him and yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's and Agent Carter. Like, yes. Yeah, he was happy Sam Sawyer. Yeah. Why? Why did I not put two and two together? Anyway, Spike in the initiative. Spike is starting to come to in his cell, and as he does, he mutters something about the Slayer and how he's going to kill her. (laughs) Fully waking, he realizes he is in a teeny tiny sterile room, tiled with a glass panel. He goes to touch the panel, and bam, it's electric. (laughs) Thrown back, he takes a moment. Huh? I said boogie woogie oogie oogie. (laughs) Ah. He takes a moment to really observe things, and we see that he is just one in a long line of similar cells, each containing a demon, vampire, or some other such creature, while men in lab coats roam the hall. Credits. Still awesome. Fun fact, while last episode marked the last time Seth would appear in the opening credits, this episode marks the first time James appears in them. He will remain a series regular slash part of the opening credits until the show's end. Yep. After the credits, we go to Giles' place, where Giles and Xander are trying to figure out more about the army guy Buffy saw in the woods. Giles has drawn a sketch of what he thinks they may look like, which Giles is quite talented. Yeah, we he's, he's got some talents we didn't know about. But where does that talent go in Hush? <laughs> like, maybe it's just he's hurried then, because those stick figures are not on par with this army guy. You know what? Maybe he's been working on this for a while. Maybe. I mean, maybe. I've seen, you know, if maybe the stick figures were just the base of, you know, if he would have had more time, he would have built it around those stick figures. True. Because that's how a lot of artists do. Like, they'll make a stick outline and then work around that. So maybe that's where he was going to go, but he didn't have the time. Look at us also, defending Giles. <laughs> as we do. He's Giles. Also, Xander saw them on Halloween. I mean, not that he should be expected to remember every detail, 
But he can, like, confirm Buffy's story. He saw Maybe, maybe he wasn't paying attention. And maybe, like, at the time, because they, it was Halloween, he didn't yeah. make a mental note that this might be important later. Whereas Buffy saw them on Halloween and then <laughs> had a run-in with another one. That's true. That's true. And it's Xander. Let's, it let's is Xander. Real. If it's not a girl. We're going to talk about that a little bit, actually. <laughs> he says that more than likely... These men are just that, men, human, so no research necessary. No research? What? (laughs) Xander doesn't know how to take this. Next, Giles is going to tell him that he has to eat jelly donuts or sleep with a supermodel in order to get things done. Just how much is one man supposed to give? Xander, you dork. (laughs) Giles points out that this also means the two of them will probably not be needed. Xander, less happy about that, but okay, because he has a plan. All they need to do, grab a Ouija board, summon an ancient evil, mayhem, 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 and then they show up to kick its ass. Well, Giles doesn't exactly say no. (laughs) (laughs) He does point out that it would be a bit unethical. He does look like he's considering it, though. He does. He's he's not saying no. He's been so bored lately. Like there has been little for Giles to do, which is why like him showing up at the bronze for the shot for the performance was hilarious. Because, you know, like he's just he's so used to having something to do even when because the school's gone. So he can't do anything in the library. He's just stuck at home with his own thoughts. Giles. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even put it past him to dabble in black magic again just to have something to do. Right? Before any more harebrained schemes can be concocted, Buffy enters. Seeing Giles' drawing, she mentions, that's her late night stormtrooper buddy, which could be intended to go with a line Xander had earlier about fall fascism, or it could be a Star Wars reference. Oh, I'm I did. It's a Star Wars reference. I loved... I, we, we, Kevin and I were watching, we're watching the episode together and we both were cracking up at the fall fascism. That was a. That's a good line. That was a really, yes, that was a really, really good line. <laughs> Giles checks if it's accurate before asking Buffy if she's patrolling that night. Nope, she's going to a party, which she hopes will be a no fighting, no biting kind of deal. Giles tells her that someone needs to look into these guys. But Buffy says, no, she lives in a dorm now. The girls on her hall want a party. Willow needs cheering up. At the mention of Willow, Xander immediately asks how she's doing with the black hole of despair she's been living in since Oz left. She's dealing. Buffy's helping. It's hard. Ergo, party. The two of them can take patrol tonight. Now, if they'll excuse her, she needs to go find something slutty to wear to said party. Whew, we really did use that word a yes. lot in the 90s, didn't we? We did. We did. But... I see Buffy using it for herself. Like, I have less of a problem with people like, I'm dressing slutty tonight, than calling other people that word. Yes, but doesn't that go back to the line in Mean Girls with the more we call ourselves sluts and whores, the more it allows men to call us sluts and whores? But see, the way that I, the way that I look at it is in reclaiming a word. Like, yes, I can call myself something, but that doesn't give you the right to call me that word. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because I know like there's there's been a whole there's been a whole discussion throughout Twitter and such for the past the past couple weeks about using the word queer 
Yeah, I saw that pop up on trending yesterday and I was reading that whole thing and then I got very tired and had to stop. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 just a thing where it's like, you know, and 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 with and like especially with that word too, like and and any word, it's like if you can feel uncomfortable with the word, this person is allowed to use the word for themselves you know, we can and we can come to an agreement that, yes, it's uncomfortable for me. But if this is how you feel that because it's a lot and really it is like with a lot of younger, the younger generation that are now empowered and feeling like this is my word. And also the word queer is a word. It's a word and it's a very inclusive word of the entire community. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of the younger generation uses it because Queer covers the entire spectrum. Yeah. And it's a, it, you know what? And even like, I have even started to embrace the word because it is one of those words that is not a specific label. Yeah. So if you know that you fall somewhere in the community, but you don't really identify as this specific word, it really is a good word just like again, all inclusive for the whole spectrum. Yeah, exactly. So yes, words are words are words, and you don't ha- you don't have to like a word, but if someone uses the word for themselves, you know it, that's a discussion for another podcast. <laughs> that is reclamation reclamation of words. Yes. Also, Buffy came all the way to Giles's apartment to just basically say she's not going. That just seems like a total waste of energy. She didn't feel like calling. There's no cell. They don't have cell phones. No. I think we established that Cordelia was the only person who owned a cell phone. Yes. At this point, I think starting next season, we'll see more people have them. Yeah. But yeah, but they're at not- this point, they're still not. Because I got my first cell, like it was, it was the Nokia, but I got like my first cell phone my freshman year of college because I had to be able to contact my family because I didn't live on campus. I live close to home, mm. but I didn't have a car till like my second year of college. Yeah. So like yeah. I had to be able to be like, Femidy, I need a ride. Yeah. Yeah. I got my, I think I got my, I think I got my cell phone this, my second semester or something because I was starting to travel further. Yeah. So my mom, and, and again, like the cell phones that we had in the early 2000s were not what we have now. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. My my friend could have I mean, had. They were probably better made and would survive an apocalypse. Oh yeah, especially those were, old Nokia's. They could, they could not like you could play snake on them and dial people, and that was about it. My friend got very good at texting people from his pocket. Oh wow! He could tell because I mean, for those of you who don't know, our texting you had just the keys on the number pad that you had to go through to get the right letter. Well, he could tell by feel which number he was on, and he knew how many times he had to press that button to get the letter that he wanted. Good job, sir. Yes. <laughs> we go back to the initiative, and Spike, who is literally pacing about his cell like a tiger, goes to touch the glass again, but remembering what happened last time, stops himself, and just in time, too, because a buzzing sound is heard right before a panel in the ceiling opens and a blood bag is dropped to the floor. <laughs> As Spike has not eaten since he was taken, he, of course, goes for it. But a voice tells him not to eat it, that it's drugged. Because why wouldn't it be? The voice belongs to Spike's next door neighbor, a.k.a. the vampire we saw the initiative soldiers grab in the, fr- in the freshman. 
When Spike asks who he is, he says a rat, a lab rat, just like all the others. He tells Spike that they're going to kill him. Spike, starting to look for weaknesses in his cell, says, how? How are they going to do that? (laughs) Well, first they starve you, waiting until you're ready to bite your own arm off. Then, once you've reached that point, they drop a blood bag. You drink it, and poof, you're gone. Off to where they do the experiments. And who are they exactly? The government? Nazis? A cosmetic company? (laughs) I love this line. Mostly because we will find out later that Spike has had a run-in with Nazis before. Yes. And actually the U.S. government. We will, in Angel, see a flashback uh, of the original War Department developed in World War II that ends up becoming the initiative. Kind of like how the SSR led Mm -hmm. the way for S.H.I.E.L.D. Spike's new friend has no idea who is actually behind all of this. (laughs) He says all he knows is that one minute he was running from the Slayer and the next, the Slayer. Of (laughs) course she's behind all this. Spike always wondered what would happen if she got some funding. Really? Is that really what you think about Spike? Of course. This is Spike. He doesn't, he's, he's, he's very pretty, but he's not the sharpest. But I mean, the fact that he's like sat there and contemplated like the Slayer's finances and what would happen if she was to have a full funding and bat, like, okay, buddy, you do you. He's just got time on his hands. He does. He thinks about her a lot. <laughs> he does think about her a lot, as we will learn more and more as we go oh, on. Yes. He says he's going to tear her apart piece by piece. He doesn't care how brilliant she is, which takes us to a not so brilliant moment. Buffy's pen having exploded all over her fingers while in psych <laughs> class. And as she now has ink all over her fingers, <clears throat> she smears ink all over her notes. <laughs> Buffy is not having her best time. She is not. Willow tells her ballpoints can be tricky. Class ends and Willow goes to talk to Riley. She says she noticed he left Oz's name off the roll call for today. The internet tells me that this is the first time we learn Oz's real name. But I swear we've heard it before. I don't, I think we're having, I I had the same kind of moment. But then I was like, well, it's hard for me to judge things like this, because even if this was the first time, that means I have known his real name since 1999. Yeah. No, this is the first time. This is the first time they they mention it. I I don't know why, but I thought for some reason it was mentioned by the recruiter guys in What's My Line. We might have to go back and look. It probably wasn't. Again, Again, I'm probably just substituting knowledge because I have it. Mm -hmm. But... Riley tells her that's because he's not in the class anymore. In fact, he heard he dropped out. Well, this is no, he heard wrong. Oz isn't gone, gone. He's just on a temporary leave of absence to figure things out, which she knows sounds lame, but he'll be back. Riley nods, wanting to be sympathetic and understanding. But Dr. Walsh, she makes it clear that Oz is out. Willow knows the rules, knows she hates exceptions. And yet Willow somehow thinks her exception is exceptional. (laughs) And it is to her, but Dr. Walsh is neither a freshman nor a narcissist, and so must consider the whole class. If Oz can't respect her schedule, then it's best he not come back. Speechless, and obviously hurt, Willow leaves, which is when Buffy, who has just observed this whole interaction, approaches Dr. Walsh, telling her that for someone who teaches human behavior, she might want to try showing some. Coddling students is not her job. She's right. 
a human being in pain has nothing to do with her job. Buffy storms out and Dr. Walsh tells Riley she likes her. (laughs) Really? Riley's a bit surprised by that. Also, Dr. Walsh doesn't find her to be peculiar. In Xander's basement of sadness. <laughs> oh, see, uh, that that's the secrets of that basement are just sadness. Xander and Giles prepare for patrol. Xander loading up the table with some pretty impressive weaponry. Not that he knows, or more accurately remembers, how to use it all. Giles asks where he got it, and Xander says he requisitioned it back when he was army guy. Y'all know we love this. Love well, yeah. the constant callbacks to Halloween and the reminder that what people experienced that night stays with them. Mm-hmm. Because Giles asks if Xander still remembers. And while it's clear he doesn't remember everything, he does remember some things because he can still speak the lingo. Talking about assembling M16s blindfolded or passing weapons inspections. But he does admit that technical skills are failing him. So much so that right now he probably wouldn't even be asked to join the Swiss Army. And all those guys ask you to do is uncork a bottle of Chardonnay. (laughs) Giles assures him he'll be ready when the time comes. The lights go on as Xander says he knows he will. Because whoever trained these guys, they are not ready for... (laughs) The sentence is interrupted as his mother calls downstairs to offer the two of them fruit punch. There's a moment of silence and then Giles asks, is it blue raspberry? (laughs) (laughs) One, kudos to Giles for knowing blue raspberry is always the way to go. (laughs) And two, this moment struck me as odd because it is seemingly out of character for everything we know about Xander's parents, especially this season, because everything we've heard talks of a very tense relationship, making him move to the basement, charging him for rent and groceries, constantly asking him to do things, refusing to let him have a lock. I have a thought. I, I, I'm going to bet it's the same thought I have. What's your thought? My thought is... Mr. Giles is there. So that's what I said. She's putting on a show Mm -hmm. because one, there's someone there. And two, it's a very attractive man around her age. Yes. So I think it is. And even if it's not a like, because she is married to Xander's dad and they stay married. Mm -hmm. So even if it's not a like, oh, there's an attractive man in my house. It's a, there is someone in the house who the last that she knew held a pretty okay position of authority Mm -hmm. he worked for the school so yeah she does not want to look like trash in front of this man yep it's all about it's all about appearances and making sure that you're putting on a good face for this adult who is in my you know because and that's that's what happens in a lot of families Mm -hmm. that have this kind of emotional abuse going on when there's other adults around they don't want to show that this is the way things are. Right. Because like it would it would make sense, obviously, like if they were at Buffy's house and Joyce kept interrupting with snacks mm-hmm. because that's what Joyce does. Well, yeah, they're used to, you know, everyone be like, "Ooh, snacks. If the weird thing, the weird thing would be if there were no snacks. Right. We'd be like, Joyce, are you OK? Where are snacks? But I mean, but it was also a funny moment, but it was yeah. just a, like, mm, that's a little odd. But it's not when you think about, yeah, the whole putting on appearances. Yes. Aspect yes. of it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought, that it was just there's this outside adult, you know, because it doesn't matter if 
Willow's around or Buffy's around, but here is a grown up who, again, like had a place of authority. And also, when you think about it, he was technically a teacher. Mm-hmm. And teachers have the authority to report if they see anything going on. That was the other thing I thought about. I was like, he was someone who at one time could have called child services. So if and and even though he doesn't have that position anymore, you still have to consider that she's that they could be thinking about that. In a student lounge, Riley is hanging out with Forrest and Graham, playing Frisbee indoors, while other people are trying to read slash study. Um, boys, take it outside. I do you know, like someone who was supposedly raised with manners. I I do like this. I do like this image of these college, like I, the way that they portray the, these kids in college is delightful. It is delightful. It is because, very delightful. Because it is the same kind of inconsiderate assholeish behavior. Even if you were raised with manners, when yeah. you get around these other people, sometimes you forget about those manners. <laughs> you do. You very much And do. it is a very, it is a very like, early, like late teenage, early 20-something boy behavior that they have going on. Riley is telling the story of what happened between Buffy and Dr. Walsh. Forrest cannot believe it. To talk to Dr. Walsh like that, right? Riley says she's crazy. (laughs) But Forrest knows that he and everyone else has a secret desire to tell the professor exactly what they think. Parker comes down the stairs and Forrest jumps up to talk to him. What's the scoop on Buffy Summers? Buffy? She's okay. A little whiny, though. Clingy. Got a little, well, fully physical. (sighs) And then she's all over him like they're betrothed or something. Shut up, Parker. Fucking Parker. And Riley, stop smiling. I know you're not going to put up with Parker much longer, but stop smiling. This is unacceptable behavior. (sighs) Forrest wants to know. Fun was had, though. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. The word is stamina. (sighs) Don't get him wrong. The act itself was amazing. It was just afterwards. Parker then tells a horribly gross joke comparing Ugh. freshman girls to at not even, well, they're not even no. going to say it. Nope, nope. It's horrible and it makes me hate him even more than I already did. So I am super <sighs> glad and super about it when Riley punches him in the face. Oh, thank God. Like Riley, like our feelings on Riley are going to shift Later, I was going to say, like, I, I do not praise Captain Cardboard often, but today he gets all the gold stars. Oh, he like he did what we wish we could have done. Right. We have been wanting to do this since the whole. Well, we've been wanting to do it since we started rewatching this because we knew where it was going to go with fucking Parker. Like the minute yeah. he opened his mouth. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Parker. We have wanted to punch him <laughs> in the face. And even if like because. Everything that Parker is doing, it's it again, it's that gross boy behavior where I'm around the guys. So I can talk about this with the Locker guys. Locker room talk. Locker room talk. And I love the fact that Riley was just like, fuck that shit. Yeah. Outside, Riley cannot believe he just did that. Forrest asks him if he knows how much trouble he could be in. What if Parker reports him? He won't. He's too embarrassed. Riley can't help it. He was just being so crude. And they've said way worse stuff. Yeah, but Riley points out that was mostly about Forrest's own mother. (laughs) He just, he didn't like hearing him talk about Buffy that way. But why? This moment. We need to talk about this moment. Because it seems so little, but it is so brilliant. Because with that tiny little utterance, we have totally switched 
genres. Mm-hmm. We are now in a romantic comedy. Yep. And you know we're in a romantic comedy because the music is all guitar-like. Riley and his friends have stopped their walking to allow Riley this revelation because as it so happens, he thinks he likes her. Forrest and Graham think he's a moron because, <laughs> duh, they knew. Everyone knew. <laughs> She's peculiar. Come on. Question is, what's he going to do about it? He guesses he's going to go see a girl. You cannot tell me that if this were a movie. Oh, yeah. This would not be the moment where he races to the airport, uh-huh. train station, or rushes mm-hmm. off into the rain. Uh-huh. And I just, it's so brilliant because we're dealing with like high stakes, shady government agencies, like a major conspiracy. And then our B plot, it's a straight up romantic comedy. And yeah, like I, the this episode, again, like as a revelation for the initiative as well, every beat of this episode is so well crafted. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. Because like you said, like, and and I like, and another thing like that is, that's great. Like you said, the B plot is a romantic comedy. I love it because here you have Riley who he's part of this organization. He doesn't know that Buffy is the slayer he's thinking she's just a girl and and the romantic comedy aspect goes through the whole thread of the episode even oh, yeah like it's a whole bumbling thing like yeah the whole this whole genre this whole episode is a romantic comedy in a horror movie yeah and now we're back with the initiative and there's two men in lab coats rolling a gurney over to Spike's cell. They open the door to load him up, but surprise, he is not actually drugged. Choking the doctor, he tells him sorry, but he can't stay. He has to go see a girl. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And I'll admit, I was not really excited to hit this episode. Anything dealing with the initiative, just automatically not my fave. But this is a fantastic episode. And like, oh, yeah. I mean, we just said that. We literally just yeah. said that. Yeah. Because we're not even halfway through the episode and we've already hit so many great moments. Thinking thinking about this episode, you, like, like you said, not excited to get here. Just because... It, it's the initiative, you know, we, we knew this is where we were going to, but you kind of forget all of the amazing beats that this episode goes through and the construction of it, flipping genres, going back and forth yeah. between and, and even like later on in the episode when it's revealed that they're part of it, just like how casual oh, yeah. the whole reveal is. As he fights off the two doctors, his new friend says to free him that he knows where the exit is. If he takes him, Spike will make it out. If he doesn't, he's going to end up dead. And so once one of the doctors is unconscious, thanks to his buddy doping him and not Spike, and the other has run away, Spike gets the keycard off the unconscious doc and frees his neighbor. Together, they slide under the door to the corridor right before it seals shut. And they continue to do so until they reach a hallway with an elevator. An elevator that has several soldiers coming out of it. Spike then decides on a new strategy, splitting up. He shoves (laughs) his former neighbor at the soldiers and slides under another door. Which is when we go to Buffy and Willow's dorm room. Willow is moping as she listens to music. A knock sounds at the door and Willow tells whoever it is to come in. Turns out it's Riley. Closing the door, he tells Willow that he hopes he's not interrupting anything really depressing. She shuts off the music and asks, what's up? Why'd he come by? He was thinking of asking out Buffy. She's not there. He knows. Thing is, he doesn't know much about Buffy. Doesn't know what she likes. In fact, the only thing he knows for sure that Buffy likes is Willow. And what? What does he want her to do? (laughs) 
Having spied Buffy's weapon bag, (laughs) Willow gets up off her bed so she can subtly hide it. Or try to. In the end, Riley has to give her a hand. Thankfully, he doesn't even pay attention to what he's shoving under the bed. (laughs) He just does it. Riley says anything. If he can give her a hint or some clue about how to talk to her. Because he's thinking, how about them Broncos? (laughs) Just isn't going to cut it. Willow says, okay. Say she helps him. They start a conversation. It goes great. He likes Buffy. She likes him. They start spending time together. Feelings grow deeper. (laughs) And then one day, without even realizing it, they're in love. Time stops. And it feels like the whole world is made for them and them alone. Until one day, one of them leaves and rips the still-beating heart from the other, (laughs) who is now a broken, hollow mockery of the human condition. Riley says, yep, that's the plan. (laughs) Well, I figured it was. And actually, it is. Buffy and Riley will talk. Their feelings will grow. They will supposedly be in love and then Riley will leave. Will Buffy become broken over it? Not really. She'll be sad, sure. We all know Captain Cardboard was never going to be the one. Still, Willow does accurately map out the steps of their relationship without knowing it. Mm hmm. But I do like I do love his reaction, though. He's just like it. And again, it is a very, you know, broken hearted teenage girl talking to her best friend's like potential partner. It's like this is not the time for me to give good advice. Like it's it's like when if somebody would have come to me for advice when Mr. Froggy broke up with me in college, I would have had the same like I was cracking up at that when we were watching it because like, yeah. That was exactly how it felt. Riley tells her if she wants to tell him to go to hell, he'll understand. This is probably the last thing she wants to talk about. But he's never courted anyone like Buffy before. Yes, he actually used the word courted. Courted. He is like, and that's why, like, that's why I like, you know, again, we're going to go with Riley not knowing what's coming on. It's such a cute moment that he's using. And and he's so because he's stumbling over himself until he realizes it. Again, we are in a romantic comedy. He's actually never even met anyone like Buffy before. Oh, no, you won't meet anybody like Buffy again. Why should Willow trust him? He was just sort of hoping she'd think he has an honest face. <laughs> you know, Riley, you should tell her about punching Parker. Mm-hmm. Because I think oh, that, that one... is definitely something Willow can get behind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If if the boy, you know, if a boy came to me, like, asking me about my best friend and said, oh, by the way, that boy that fucked her over was talking shit and I punched him for it. Yeah. That would immediately erase anything else. Like, okay, yes, you are 100%. You are good. But no, no, he goes the honest face route. And Willow says she's seen honest faces before. They're usually attached to liars. Getting the sense he is not going to win this one. Riley gets up to leave, telling Willow that it's nice she wants to protect her friend. Buffy seems to bring out that side of people. I'm telling you, man, tell her about Punch and Parker. Oh, no, that's that. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best route. He heads for the door and Willow tells him cheese. What? (laughs) Buffy likes cheese. (laughs) It may not be the key to winning her heart, but it's something. Also, she has a stuffed pig named Mr. Gordo. She likes the ice capades without the irony. And she's dragging Willow to a party at Lowell House. They're going? That's his house. He lives there. (laughs) Okay, then it'll give him and Buffy a chance to interact. But no getting fresh. Fresh? He doesn't even know (laughs) if they like each other yet. (laughs) This gentlemanly display does earn a small smile for Willow. Riley then, a bit awkwardly, asks if Buffy ever talks about him. Sorry. Well, that's discouraging. But still, he at least feels like he has a fighting chance with his new accomplice. She's not his accomplice. 
Of course not. She needs that to be clear. Oh, they're they're clear. From there, we go to Harmony's Lair. Yay! That's right. Not only is Spike back, but so is Harmony. Yay. Yay. Love Harmony. Like, and I love where she, like, when she's going to end up in Angel and <laughs> I love Harmony. I have even, even human, even when she was still human, when she was part of the Cordettes, like it was, I've always loved Harmony. I'm so glad that they expanded her. She's hanging up a unicorn poster, listening to music when Spike comes in. Spike? Harmony steps towards him. That's right. He's, she slaps him. He left her. He broke up with her and staked her and that really hurt. True. But she's forgetting something else he did. What's that? Missed her. Really? Harmony. No. The Harmony. The thing I love about Harmony is she's proof that yes, she's has a demon inside of her. She has no soul. But she's still basically Harmony. She is. And I mean, we would all 100% fall for Spike's bullshit. And I'm like, Harmony, come on, baby doll. Like, honey, come on, sweetie pie. Like, yeah, it's like she needs a friend. She needs a friend to be like, Harmony. (laughs) She needs us. (laughs) Really? The moment he says that, Harmony is hugging him and making him promise to never do that again. No, never. Her blondie bear is there to stay. But where's he been? No, wait, don't answer that. She doesn't care. She's just glad he's back. And it's forever this time, right? Mm-hmm. Forever and ever, mon petite creme brulee. Okay, but why is that name so cute? It is adorable. Ooh, Italian. <laughs> so Mike's look at that. It's just, mwah. I know, the whole thing is. <laughs> but he lets it go. Mostly as he's searching for the perfect weapon. That's right. And she needs to get used to it. He calls her his little mentholated pack of smoke. <laughs> before telling her Big Daddy is back. And it's going to be all about her. They'll go wherever she wants, do whatever she wants, kill whoever she wants. Starting with the Slayer. <laughs> At the mention of Buffy, <sighs> Harmony frowns. She sees another obsessive quest coming on, but Spike assures her once she's dead, it's going to be just the two of them. Harmony tells him to leave the Slayer alone. Forget her. She'll only just slap him around. And Harmony can do that. <laughs> she goes to get all sexy, but Spike's still a bit tender and so tells her to watch the head as they fall to the ground. Out on patrol, Xander is being very dramatic. <laughs> Talking about waiting and unseen enemies. <sighs> Giles lets him go on for a bit before telling him very plainly to shut. <laughs> At Lowell House, the party is in full swing. I I have questions. Mm-hmm. Mostly related to a later episode. Okay. Because why aren't all the parties at Lowell House affected? Why just that one? Who knows? Okay. Anyway. Well, we can, we can. We'll talk about that more when we get there. Yeah. yeah. I just thought about that when I realized the party was in their dorm. Mm-hmm. Like, why is this not a constant problem? Yeah. But we'll, we'll talk about that more when we get there. Buffy and Willow enter the party and Buffy starts trying to hype things up. This looks fun, right? Yeah. You know, they can go with Willow once. No, no, they're here for the fun. (laughs) Okay. Buffy says she spies some of the guys and Willow tells her to head on over that she wants to grab a soda. She does not grab a soda, however. Instead, she goes straight to Riley in her non-accomplice capacity. 
<laughs> she tells him that Buffy is wearing a halter top and sensible shoes, which means she plans on spending most of the night dancing. And dancing equals light contact, but not to get his hopes up. Heavy conversation? Totally out of the question. <laughs> right. So what does he do? Ask her to dance. Got it. No, wait. What? He doesn't know how to dance. <laughs> then talk. Funny is good, but don't be glib. And if he hurts her, Willow will beat him to death with a shovel. <laughs> At Riley's slightly horrified look, Willow tells him that a vague disclaimer is nobody's friend. She then encourages him to have fun. Okay, but it's a house party with a bunch of, with a lot of white guys. None of them know how to dance. Yeah, nobody, nobody in that room knows how to dance. Probably. Nobody in that it's room fine. knows how to dance. It's not about the dancing. It's about the contact. <laughs> Taking a moment to steal himself, he heads off. Making his way through the crowd, he infiltrates the small group of people that Buffy is talking to. As he takes the spot beside her, he gets her attention. Yes? Uh, did she do the reading on chapter nine? Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. Some theories, right? <laughs> Buffy just looks at him and Riley. <sighs> he awkwardly offers her cheese. Oh, oh Riley. I mean, again, it's such a cute moment. <laughs> Look, it, it, you know what? Cheese is the way to most of our hearts. <laughs> I mean, not wrong. Yeah. Giles and Xander are still on patrol, making their way through the woods, keeping an eye out for anything army-like. They've since split up, and while Xander does not find an army guy, he does find Harmony, about to set fire to a pile of spiked stuff. He steps out of the bushes, and Harmony turns to face him. She takes the steps towards him, but Xander tells her, that's far enough. After all, he has been trained to kill her with a stake. <laughs> Show no mercy. Harmony scoffs and says she can kill him where he stands. Okay, then do it. Bring it. <laughs> what follows is just delightful. Oh my God, it Harmony is. Harmony slaps him, he kicks her, and the two proceed to go at it like kindergartners. They are, neither of them are good at this, and oh, we got a great scene out of it. So Mercedes actually said this is probably one of her favorite on-screen fights because yes, she and Nikki did this themselves. They were mm -hmm. wearing pads, mm -hmm. but this was all them. And you can tell if you like look at the scene, you can see Mercedes starting to laugh <laughs> several times. <sighs> the fight eventually ends when they both have a hold on each other. I think both pulling the other's hair. Yeah. <laughs> They agree to end it and on the count of three separate. Xander tells her it's been great catching up, but he's now going to take the shattered pieces of his dignity and depart, leaving her to her fire. Her fire? As if. Like Harmony would ever listen to something called the sex pistols. Harmony, Harmony, baby, I'm going to need you to at least give them a try. <laughs> Like, I promise. I promise they're good. They're good, baby. <laughs> anyway, she tells Sander that the stuff she's burning, it's spikes. Spikes? Yeah, he came back, spouting all sorts of promises. Not that Harmony believed him. <laughs> but it would have been nice if he could go even one night without talking about the Slayer. Slayer this, Slayer that. He's probably already killed her. She just, <sighs> she wishes the men in her life would stop. She turns, but Sander's no longer there. Leaving. She tosses the match onto the pile and walks away. Back at the party, Buffy is dancing with a group of people while Riley sits, miserable, on the couch with Willow. He says he can't believe it. He choked. And Willow says, yeah, he really, really did. <laughs> he doesn't understand. He's good at things. That's what he does. Works hard, applies himself, gets it done. If it's any consolation, he failed really, really well. <laughs> He needs to relax. He's not proposing. It's just 
getting a reaction. And any reaction is okay, except maybe projectile vomiting. What are the chances of that? The song changes, and with it, so does Willow's mood. Noticing, Riley asks if she's okay. Oh, uh, it's the song. Riley says it's a tape of some bands from last year, and clearly the band that is currently playing is Dingo's. And not just that, but the song is Fate. The song they were playing when Oz first noticed Willow way back in Inca Mummy Girl. Mm-hmm. Now I'm crying. He has a fair associations and Willow says, big. So Riley has the guy closest to the stereo cut to the next song, something that causes Willow to thank him. Now go find Buffy. There's no rush. If she wants to talk, Willow says she wants him to go find Buffy. Find her and tell her that Willow went home, but not to worry because she's okay. That'll at least give him something to say. The two get up off the couch and go their separate ways. Riley once again approaching Buffy. He delivers Willow's message and then says he wanted to ask her something. Ask away. He never gets the chance, though, because before he can say anything, Xander comes rushing in. He needs to talk to Buffy, but not there. (laughs) It's about their unfinished business. (laughs) Unfinished business. Right. She grabs her coat and prepares to follow Xander out. Not that it matters, because while Forrest and Graham immediately start ribbing Riley about being denied, it turns out he is needed elsewhere as well, as Forrest tells them they're needed downstairs. (laughs) I love, I really do love how Riley had them switch the song. Yeah, that was a good moment. Like going, again, we're going to have the reveal in a second, but going back to just seeing what type type of guy Riley appears to be, it, that was that was so nice. And like, this is his the girl he's interested in, her best friend, who is obviously sad. And yeah, yeah, it's so sweet. All three of them leave the party and head into the hallway where a secret elevator takes them down to the initiative's headquarters, which, by the way, were filmed in a place with actual military connections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they were filmed in Skunk Works, and that is where stealth bombers are built. yes. I like I like how official it looks. We're like we we don't have the budget to actually build our own secret layer. So we'll just borrow one. We're going to borrow one. Again, I love everything about this because why they're <laughs> going down in this secret elevator doing retinal scans and voice <laughs> recognition and while they're traversing this huge facility full of military grade equipment and scientific experimentation, they're still talking about Riley's love life. Oh yeah, like and that's why like the, the crossover of the 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 romantic comedy plot with the serious now we're in like a spy movie. <laughs> Graham says he likes Buffy. And when Riley asks what kind of girl is going to want to go out with someone who's all Joe regular by day and a demon hunter by night, he says, hopefully a peculiar one. <laughs> Shit of rom-com people. It's it's so and it and again, it's so funny when you think about Buffy's the exact same way. The only thing, the the only thing that would make this whole thing better would be a cut back and forth between Riley and the guys talking about how he's Joe Regular by day and Demon Hunter by night, and Buffy talking about how she's a girl by day and a vampire hunter by night. Right? That's that was literally the only thing missing. Like that would that would just make the whole mashup with the romantic comedy and the horror spy movie even better. They make their way over to the person in charge and surprise, it's Dr. Walsh. Who would have thought? Right? Whoever could have seen that coming? Us. It was it was a surprise the first time you, when you watch it. It, it was all. She tells them they have a situation. Hostel 17 has escaped. Dun, dun, dun. 
As the boys suit up, Dr. Walsh gives them the fact of Hostile 17's, or as we know him, Spike's, escape. When Forrest comments that he has a fairly large head start, Dr. Walsh tells him that it gets bigger every time he interrupts her. <laughs> I like when Dr. Walsh is sassy, especially towards I, I do. boys. Yeah, I do like, I do like Dr. Walsh. More soldiers arrive and everyone falls into formation, except Riley, who stands beside Dr. Walsh. According to her, he's in charge because she knows he won't fail her, won't risk the program. He divides the groups into teams of three, one to patrol the campus perimeter, one to take to the sewers, and the last, he, Graham, and Forrest, to start in the middle of campus and work their way out. They have to assume Spike knows the area, which means they have to work fast. They head out of a headquarters, emerging through a hidden bunker-type door. As they start on their patrol, we go back to Giles's, where Buffy, Xander, and Giles are having a talk. Buffy doesn't get it. Doesn't Spike know this is her town? And it's her night off. (laughs) Xander tells her he's sure Spike would have picked another night had she known he was busy with Teutonic boy toy. What is that supposed to mean? (laughs) Xander says nothing, and Buffy tells him that Riley's a goof. He's not Teutonic. Giles reminds Buffy that Spike's main target is her. Okay, fine. Then she'll give him what he wants. Tonight, she's going to stake him. She has a plan. She is the plan. (laughs) She'll go alone, draw him out, lead him away from the general population. As she goes to leave, Xander hands a flare gun, telling her to take it. Why? She's staking Spike, not signaling ships at sea. (laughs) He knows. But just in case she gets into trouble, she promises. If there's trouble, she'll flare. And they'll come and run in. Buffy leaves and Xander asks Giles if he thinks Spike will find her. Giles is sure of it, which is good because he would be correct. As we next see Spike in one of the school offices, looking up Buffy on the computer, finding out she resides in Stevenson Hall, room 214, he sits back smiling (laughs) smugly. Hello, gorgeous. God, I love him. I know. Meanwhile, Riley and the others are still on their patrol, surveying the area. They notice Buffy sitting alone on a bench, just enjoying the night, or so it appears. Graham says she's going to compromise the area, and Riley says they need to get her out of there. (laughs) Do they, though? Forrest thinks they can use this. After all, what would be more tempting to a starving vampire than a hot co-ed? Is he honestly suggesting they use the girl he has a crush on as bait? The team would be less than 50 yards out. No. She'd be safe the whole time. No. (laughs) Riley pulls rank and Forrest backs down. Now they just need to get Buffy out of there. Apparently, this means sending Riley in. After almost staking him, Buffy quickly shoves the stake behind her back and into her bag. Riley, what's he doing there? He didn't get a chance to say goodbye. After the party, when she left with her friend, who's a boy, her friend, Xander? (laughs) Xander's not anyone she wants to talk about right now. She doesn't want him to take this the wrong way and all, but she needs alone time. Now, alone. Why? She needs space. They're outdoors. Emotionally. (laughs) You know, Riley points out that there's plenty of space back in Buffy's room. Why doesn't he take her? Keep the weirdos at bay? He goes to do the gentlemanly thing and take her arm, but Buffy jumps jumps back. Lashy checked. This is a free campus. Who died and made him John Wayne? He was just trying to help. Help? He thinks she needs her help? You know... If he was really a gentleman, he would just go away and leave her alone. (laughs) Go on now. Shoot. Wait, is she she drunk? Yes. Yes, she is. Go report her. Okay. Riley's taking her home. Hey, (laughs) maybe she should just take him home. What? (laughs) Once again, this is this is the romantic comedy. He thinks boys can take care of themselves, but girls need help. Yes. 
Buffy just stares at him. That is so Teutonic. Right here. Right here was why their relationship was never going to work. At least not at this stage in their lives. Yeah. Riley said it. Clear as day. Boys can take care of themselves and girls need help. Riley comes from a good, old-fashioned, middle-of-the-country type family. Yeah. He was taught you carry groceries and hold doors open for your mom and sisters. You escort a girl home. You ask her parents before you get too far in the relationship. And while that is nice and that is sweet, that is never going to work with Buffy. Nope. And while Riley can admire her and be in awe of her Slayer abilities, he's never going to be able to fully embrace them or her. He is never going to fully come to terms with the idea that this tiny little blonde girl is faster than him, stronger than him, has more kills than him, especially since in his eyes, she's never had formal training. Because notice, none of the other initiative soldiers are female. Nope. Scientists and technicians, sure, but not the soldiers. Mm -hmm. Riley is toxic masculinity at its finest. And what's even sadder is Riley doesn't even know it. That's what I... It's yeah. a hidden toxicity. That's that's what I was that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say it's it's toxic masculinity, but not intentionally. It's like systemic. Yeah, it's yeah. Systemic it's systemic to toxicity. Yeah, and th- this is like this. You know, this is like what what is talked about a lot, where you don't realize that certain things are toxic until you you see it. You know, and especially especially when you see it in this context with Buffy, who, yes, she is this tiny little blonde girl, but we know that she can take care of herself. And here is Riley, who, again, he yeah, he is a he is a byproduct of how he was raised and he can't see right now that, you know, maybe this girl can take care of herself. We're going to talk about that a lot, especially next season. (laughs) Yeah. Riley says, as long as Buffy's staying, he's staying. And she says, as long as he's staying, she's staying. (laughs) Of course, just then a scream sounds from off in the distance and they both go running. Riley returning to Forrest and Graham, who think they might have picked up the hostel on the tracker. Telling all units to converge at the indicated location, they move out. Poor Willow. (laughs) She's all alone in her and Buffy's dorm room, listening to sad, sad music. (laughs) Anak comes to the door and she again tells whoever it is to come in. But this time it is not Riley. It is Spike. Pleased as punch to be invited in. <laughs> oh, did he need to be invited in? Because he got in the dorm. Because um, they don't own the dorm. The dorm yeah. is a public building on a public campus. So I'm guessing once he's in, I mean, like he needed her to open the door, but he mm-hmm. could have just busted it down and walked in if he wanted. Yeah, he probably he probably didn't need to be invited in to their dorm room. He's very polite, though. But he's well, and also not only is he being polite, he is also being dramatic. He is so dramatic. And, and I mean, you know, he's he was probably walking up there like, yeah, I know I can just go right in. I could walk into here and do whatever I want. But you know what? I don't want to just walk right in. I'm going to knock on the door and I'm going to make her answer it so that she <laughs> so that we can surprise her. Seeing him, Willow jumps up. What does he want? A spell? She can do a spell. As Spike looks around the room, Willow goes to leave. He stops her, though, throwing her back. He's going to give her a choice. See, he's going to kill her. No choice in that. But she can either stay dead or he can bring her back. Make her like him. We were robbed, people. I know. We could have had Vampire Willow in the main timeline. and She could have been bestest buds with Spike. 
We were robbed. We were we were robbed, but we got we got Dark Willow later. This is true. Willow says she'll scream, and Spike's okay with that. All the better. She screams, and he grabs her, turning the music up as he throws her down to get at her neck. As he goes in for the kill, we see that no one in the hall has any idea that anything is even happening. They're just going about their lives. We flash forward a few minutes and find Willow and Spike just chilling on her bed. (laughs) Apparently something went wrong. (laughs) Spike doesn't understand. It's never happened to him before. (laughs) He felt fine when they started. Willow says maybe he was just nervous. (laughs) And Spike suggests they try again. He goes for her, but something stops him. Something that causes pain inside his head. Tries again. Same thing. Getting up off the bed, Spike swears and kicks Buffy's nightstand (laughs) before beginning to pace. Willow says, maybe he's trying too hard. Does this happen to every vampire? Not to him, it doesn't. (laughs) Willow then comes to the conclusion that it's her. What? What does she mean? Well, (laughs) he came looking for Buffy, but had to settle. He didn't want to bite her. She was just convenient. (sighs) (laughs) She gets it. She knows she's not the type of girl vampires usually sink their teeth into. It's always, oh, you're like a sister to me. Or, oh, we're such good friends. Hello? Sweetheart? Just, um, how many vampires have you pulled about this? (laughs) Because I really need to know what your sample size is here. She's, She's just feeling down. Sitting down next to her, Spike assures her that he would bite her in a heartbeat. Really? Thought about it. When? Remember last year, she had on that fuzzy pink number with the lilac underneath? Yeah. Huh. Willow would have never guessed. He played the bloodlust very cool. (laughs) He doesn't like to be obvious, all fangy and grr. (laughs) One more time, Willow asks if he could. Oh, he definitely would. She then tells him it doesn't make him any less terrifying. Don't patronize him. Willow and Spike's odd little relationship. I, yeah. Everything. Like, he cries to her on through. I love this, and I love this moment because of the sexual nature of it. Yeah. How it, it feels like a performance anxiety type of situation, but it's just him not able to bite her. Yeah. Oh, and no, I, I love like, it. I, yeah, like, I, I do love their little talks. And I love how when he comes in, she, at first she's just like, a spell. I'll give you a spell. What do you want? Like, yeah. <laughs> Sure. We've done this before. What's happening? I wish we had seen more of this, like, in the later seasons. Uh-huh. Because, like, they're both around, but we kind of, like, lose this relationship between mm-hmm. them. And I mean, I know it's because Willow's going through some shit. We yeah. do see a comeback in, like, the sequel series in the books because he does admit to Willow's daughter that he's always had a soft spot for Red. Mm-hmm. But I would have loved to have seen a thousand more scenes like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anytime anytime he's having a problem, her, him coming to her just to talk. Cause I, and I love how she just sits there. Like, she's yeah. she's <laughs> not... Like, oh. She's not scared. Like she's, she's just like, okay, we, you know, this is happening. Still working their way across campus, Riley and the others use a thermal device to locate someone who is clocking in a little too cool for a human, telling the other teams to lock and load. They move in. Back in the dorm room, Spike tells Willow that he's only 126. (laughs) He's being too hard on himself. Why don't they wait an hour and try again? (laughs) It's then Willow realizes that they're talking about, you know, Spike. (laughs) (laughs) And so begins to offer an alternate plan, which turns out to be her hitting him over the head with a lamp and then running. But as she reaches the door, all the lights in the building go out. Huh, 
How strange. Night goggles on, the soldiers storm the dorm building, ordering students out of the way. Like, I know, I know they're going to explain this as a fraternity prank in like two scenes, but what the actual fuck? I know. Whatever fraternity you blamed this on is getting disbanded. Uh Uh-huh. Because you would think this was like a terrorist attack or something. I know, I know. And I hope, I hope whatever fraternity they they pin it on is one that's shitty to begin with right like if parker's in one we'll just blame it on that (laughs) yeah yeah i mean because we all know that there that there were shitty that there's shitty fraternities on campus ones that should absolutely lose their charter right so let's pick the one and blame it on that one exactly they head up to buffy's floor and go to break into her room just as willow is breaking out she crashes into them sending all of them to the floor they still manage to grab spike though putting a bag over his head and zip tying his hands they go to leave but one of the soldiers wants to take willow says she could have been turned and they need to put her in quarantine riley says leave her This debate costs them and Spike manages to break free, causing even more chaos, especially when he grabs a fire extinguisher. The soldiers go to shoot him, shoot it, and smoke fills the hall. Willow tries to sneak away, but someone grabs her, which is when Buffy enters the fight and shoots off the flare, causing all the soldiers to have to look away. She shoves Willow in their room and goes after them. Spike sees this as his moment to leave, (laughs) but once he's gone, so are the soldiers. The lights come on and Buffy goes to check on Willow. Down in initiative headquarters, where Dr. Walsh is less than pleased with the group. (laughs) Not only did Hostel 17 escape again, but it seems he has an accomplice. One who is smart, strong, and somehow defies description? (laughs) Graham says whoever it was, they were big. Huge. Dr. Walsh doesn't like this. She doesn't like guesses. She wants results. She tells Riley to tell her something good. Her implant... It works. Hostile 17 cannot harm a living creature. They can't feed, can barely hit. They'll bag him. Yes. Yes, they will. She dismisses them and we go to the next morning, Riley walking across campus. Seeing Buffy, he smiles and heads over. He's sorry about last night. No, (laughs) no, she was rude. She just felt like being alone. Sometimes it's nice to be out by yourself at night. He hears that. Still, he tells her to be careful. Lots of strange people out there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They walk a bit and Riley asks how Willow's doing. She's okay. Stupid fraternity prank on their dorm didn't help, though. (laughs) I feel like that's worse than Snyder's old excuses. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, because at at least with at least with Snyder's old excuses, they weren't aimed at one particular. Yeah. Person or group like it was teenagers on PCP. That is satanic panic level very abstract type of thing. This is blaming one group. (laughs) Like, you're going to have to, like, name a fraternity. Yeah, you're going to have to tell... Yeah, everything is going to be investigated. Riley says he forgot they lived in Stevenson, and Buffy is surprised he knew that at all. He says Willow was helping him on a project. That work out for him? Not sure yet. Buffy then brings up the party. How he wanted to tell her something? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Very important stuff. (laughs) Not that he remembers any of it now. But she would have been fascinated, possibly even moved. Did Willow tell her he likes cheese? Looking at him, Buffy smiles. He's a little peculiar. <laughs> he can live with that. They continue walking as we fade to black. The end. See, that was such a cute moment to... That was a cute moment to end on. And so I love, like, we kept talking about certain how certain elements of this episode were straight out of a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Well... <laughs> Some are straight out of Shakespeare. 
<laughs> um, Forrest and Graham were actually designed to be the Shakespearean sidekicks. Okay. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Like they are there to tell the hero what his heart really wants. Mm-hmm. And so I just like, it's a little things like that, that you're just like, you have to love this show. Yeah. And it's why this show holds up. Mm-hmm. But I just love it as like, yeah, look, they were basically designed to be like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yeah. And like, and we do have this, this episode in particular has so many different genres to it. Like I said earlier, oh, yeah. when they're going down to the secret lair, that is such super secret spy biz. Super secret. You have basically, you know, the rest of it, it's a, you know, horror series. So you have the horror. So you have all of these genres that are melded together and it works so well in this episode. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure you join us next time when we take on season four, episode eight, Pangs. Ooh, yay. One of my favorites. Yes. Until then, check out all our various social media channels all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye! Bye. Bye.